Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, September 19th. In today's news, Kim Jong-un says he'll visit Seoul. Some of the biggest dark money donors in America are about to get unmasked. And Poland plays on President Trump's vanity. But first, the big idea. The woman who has accused Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault wants the FBI to investigate her allegations before she testifies in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, a demand that came as President Trump and Senate Republicans increasingly rallied in defense of the embattled Supreme Court nominee. Lawyers for the woman, Christine Blasey Ford, said a full investigation by law enforcement officials will ensure that the crucial facts and witnesses in this matter are assessed in a nonpartisan matter and that the committee is fully informed before conducting any hearing or making any decisions. The committee had invited Kavanaugh and Ford to testify together at a public hearing on Monday without checking to see if that worked for her first. But Ford's response raises questions about whether the GOP will proceed with the session. Top Senate Republicans are playing hardball and maintained late Tuesday night that they're going to hold a hearing next Monday with or without her. Senator Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina who's on the committee, said they're going to bring this process to a close whether Ford comes or not. He even called it a, quote, drive-by shooting and said, I'll listen to the lady, but we're going to bring this to a close. It's not clear whether this sort of brusque treatment of an alleged survivor of sexual assault is tenable especially in the court of public opinion, less than 50 days from the midterm elections. The two-page letter does not explicitly say Ford will not attend the hearing if there's no FBI probe. But her lawyers say that she's been getting death threats and facing serious harassment since the Washington Post published her account Sunday. That is why she was originally reluctant to go public. While Kavanaugh has a 24-hour security detail, Ford has no protection, She and her husband, along with their two kids, have fled their home in Palo Alto, California, because of concerns about their safety. In fact, several people have been posting her address on Twitter, and those accounts have not been suspended. The FBI declined to comment Tuesday after the letter from Ford's lawyer was made public. At a White House news conference earlier in the day, Trump expressed sympathy for his nominee and said he feels, quote, terribly for him. He expressed no sympathy for Professor Ford. For his part, Kavanaugh spent much of Tuesday holed up at the White House. Top officials engaged in a two-hour practice session known as a murder board in the Eisenhower Executive Office building to help prepare him for next Monday. The judge practiced answering questions about his past, his heavy drinking, his parting, his dating, and the accuser's somewhat detailed account. Participants in the session included White House Counsel Don McGahn, Deputy Chief of Staff Bill Schein, and Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Shine's presence is notable since he was ousted from Fox News over the network's handling of sexual harassment allegations against its stars. Meanwhile, more than 140 female friends of Ford signed an open letter on Tuesday defending the Palo Alto University professor and her character. While many Republicans remain confident Kavanaugh is ultimately going to get confirmed, there have been private discussions among some lawmakers about whether the GOP should have a backup plan if he withdraws or fails to secure the necessary votes. But any private skepticism was outweighed by public vows to stand by Kavanaugh as he fights through the allegations. 
And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Kim Jong-un agreed to visit Seoul for the first time, but he offered no concrete promises on North Korea denuclearizing. In a joint news conference overnight, Kim and South Korean President Moon Jae-in vowed to end hostilities and usher in a new era of peace and prosperity. But there was very little of substance to move the process forward. In a joint statement, North Korea pledged to permanently dismantle the missile engine test site and missile launcher at Tongcheng-ri. They said they do it in the presence of experts from related countries. Now, the North Koreans already promised to dismantle that site during their summit with Trump earlier this year. They also said they'd allow inspectors into the site. They haven't done so thus far. North Korea said it wants to continue taking further steps like the permanent dismantlement of its Yangbyon nuclear facility. But they said they'll only do so if the United States takes corresponding steps based on Trump's agreement with Kim at their June summit in Singapore. Trump reacted positively to the latest announcement. Originally, the point of this summit was to lay the groundwork for Trump and Kim to meet again later this year. Number two, the Supreme Court declined to intervene in a case involving campaign finance disclosures. It's a decision that will force advocacy groups to disclose many of their biggest political donors and expose the sources behind millions in dark money just weeks before the midterms. The high court did not grant an emergency request to stay a ruling by a federal judge in Washington who had thrown out a decades-old FEC regulation that allows groups that are registered as nonprofits to keep their donors secret unless they've earmarked the money for certain purposes. That ruling last month by Chief U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell will be challenged on appeal, and it ultimately could be overruled. But because there's no stay in the immediate future, the decision forces major groups on the left and the right to scramble and reassess how they plan to finance their fall campaigns. FEC Chairwoman Caroline Hunter, a Republican, and other conservatives warn that this decision will have a chilling effect. But the move is being celebrated by advocates for transparency. Number three. As Poland seeks to establish a permanent U.S. military base in the country to deter Russian occupation, they're making something of a unique proposal that plays directly to the president's vanity, naming it Fort Trump. Polish President Andrzej Duda floated the idea on Tuesday during a news conference at the White House. Standing next to him, Trump smirked and raised his right eyebrow before pursing his lips as he appeared to consider the possibility. Though the polls made the proposal partly in jest, Trump did boast that Poland was willing to make what he called a very major contribution if the U.S. establishes a permanent military base in the nation. If they're willing to do that, Trump said, it's certainly something he'll talk about. Now, Poland already said back in May that they'll spend $2 billion a year to establish a permanent military presence in Poland. And a senior Polish government official said yesterday that Warsaw would potentially be willing to spend even more over time or offer additional incentives. The Poles would love if the U.S. moved its military forces from Germany into Poland. U.S. forces are already deployed there on a rotational basis as part of an effort by NATO to step up defenses on its eastern flank after Russia's 2014 invasion of Crimea. Its government would like the Pentagon to establish a divisional headquarters on Polish territory and then another permanent brigade. The Poles hope that they can get a firm answer from Washington by 2020. Meanwhile, the Kremlin hopes to keep the United States out. And that's the Daily 202 for Wednesday, September 19th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. 
I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.